Well, good morning, church family. And uh, as we get going, uh, I'm going to invite you to just pray with me. Let's ask God to bless the preaching of his word. Our Heavenly Father, we're coming to see again the beauty of Jesus and his love for us. We ask you to work powerfully in these moments, in our hearts and in our souls. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. And happy belated Thanksgiving. And if your household is anything like mine, you may have asked the question, what are you thankful for? And what is that thing this Thanksgiving? Uh, For me, I saw many people thankful that shark vacuum cleaners were on super sale. I went to Kohl's on Thursday, and they were flying out like hotcakes. I mean, it was just $100 for a shark vacuum cleaner. Um, For you, it might have been the food. I'm always curious what's your favorite part of the meal. Uh, How many is it the turkey? How many would say the turkey? That is not a lot. Okay. Um, How many mashed potatoes or other veggies? The whole veggie category. Okay. That's some. Surprising. Um, How many would be the stuffing? That's where I'm located. Stuffing is it. And then finally, the pie. Okay. Stuffing one out. All right, my people. See, I know, I know there's a reason we're church family together. Anyway, um, but, but there's so many reasons to be thankful. Um, and, and maybe it was just the family that has gathered. You, you know, you look at just the blessing of not doing life alone. And, and yes, they're imperfect. And yes, they can rub you the wrong way. And yet, it's good that they're around that table. Or maybe it was just the free time. It is great to have days off of school and or work, to just um, have football on and have a tryptophan nap, you know, all that great stuff going on. Um, our family gathered on Thursday, and, and we went around and, and said what we were thankful for. And uh, we were thankful for family. We were thankful for where we live. Um, we had a chance to talk about a psalm, Psalm 136. It says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. I had a chance to sit with my daughters and speak into each one of their lives of things that I'm thankful God is doing and how the Spirit is, is using and, and working in their lives. I got a Thanksgiving gift for my, for my wife. That was awesome. And a card. Um, these are good things. Right now, there's a spirit of thankfulness. And it's appropriate. It's good. It's, it's good discussion for, for the table. But unfortunately, it's only a day. For some of us, it's only 10 seconds when mom and dad prompts us to be thankful. It's only a little bit of time. And and what I want to explore with you, because I do believe our whole lives are supposed to be about Thanksgiving, is this question, how do we get a won't-stop, can't-stop kind of praise? How can we praise God not just for a day, but for every day? In fact, if you're a follower of Jesus, and and welcome, by the way, if you're not, you're, you're welcome here. Um, if you're a follower of Jesus, you know that his, it's his will. Uh, for, for he said, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Give thanks even when your, your family's not getting along. Give thanks even though the turkey's like really dry, like we should have got butterball, but we didn't. G- give thanks even though my health isn't so good right now. G- give thanks even though it doesn't seem like I have enough money. Give thanks in all of these circumstances. How, how do we get there? Can you relate to the struggle? Now, psychologists would even tell you that Thanksgiving is one of the best postures to have. In fact, they would say that if you're uh, worried about your emotions, that if you have gratitude, um, it will lessen your depression and increase your happiness. They, They tell you that there are physical benefits of thankfulness, that those who are thankful will more naturally take care of themselves. Um, it will tell you that actually you might have more friends if you're grateful. So, so that's another way, you know, to be thankful. Just write thank you cards and appreciate those. You might expand your, your group. 
But more than earthly benefits, why, why does God want us to give thanks and, and how can we give thanks? That's why I want to explore with you once again. And today we're going to learn from someone who, who he said this. A man who said, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Now, you might wonder who wrote this. Was it someone who was going for their second helping on Thanksgiving? Someone who had just struck a, a great Black Friday deal? Well, was it someone on a cruise where everything was given to them? You could eat as much as you want. You're on vacation, so of course I'm going to extol the Lord at all times as long as this cruise lasts. Can I tell you what's going on with these verses? The guy who wrote this, a guy named David, might have heard of David before. And the circumstances he was in were, were not so good. He wasn't going for a second plate. In fact, he had just fled from the kingdom. He was anointed to be the next king, but the current king named Saul wanted to kill him. So he had to flee from his home, and Saul had mounted an army and was going to try to take him out. At this time, he was hiding among his enemies at Gath. The king there was Achish, and the king was threatened by David being there because he knew David was a warrior. He was the one who had defeated Goliath. And, and so now the king of Gath says, oh, David's here. He's going to take us out too. Maybe this is an ambush. And so David actually needed to perform. He needed to act like he was insane. You should read the Bible. This is a crazy story. So it says, he pretended to be insane in their presence, while he was in their hands, he, he acted like a madman, making marks on the doors of the gate and letting saliva run down his beard. David, at this point, was this guy. <laughs> and he had to be. Because this is the only way he could be kept safe. Can you imagine saliva? Can you imagine the markings on the doors? And the psalm would tell us, if you read Psalm 34, this is the highlight over the whole thing. This is when when David had changed himself, acting insane. And yet he says, I will extol the Lord at all times with saliva down. Even though people want to kill me. And if David could write that then, maybe he has something to speak into our lives today and now. Of what it is to have a won't stop, can't stop kind of praise. You ready to get to it? So let's turn to the rest of what David wrote. And I think there's enough here that can, again, inspire us to lead lives of true thanksgiving. Um, we're going to take a look at Psalm chapter 34. The rest of the verses are either in the worship folder or on the screen before you. It says, so after the verses we read, I sought the Lord, and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called, and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his holy people, for those who fear him lack nothing. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. This has quickly become one of my favorite psalms, and I hope it is for you as we discuss explore and discover what God is speaking into our hearts. May he bless us through this discussion. I want to know how many of you uh, are users of Facebook. Facebook. All right, just a few. 
and we are the old people now because the young people are using Instagram and Snapchat, right? You know, it is not a Facebook generation for those on the rise. But I remember uh, when Facebook had this tool that would analyze all the things you had posted and, and give you kind of this word bubble based on, on your preferred words, all the preferred things that you said. For, for example, here's one of those word bubbles. Um, th this person was obviously consumed with themselves, me. Um, it, it, it seems to be that this person is uh, a college student, maybe at NYU, and, and with Madeline and, and with Morgan, maybe, maybe a gal. Um, that, that's what I'm determining from this word bubble. Um, see if you can see what this next guy is into. Uh, here, here's a new word bubble. This is a guy who only used social media to post his training for what seems like the Chicago Marathon, right? Uh, that, that's all what he was consumed by. Do you remember having one of those word bubbles generating and popping up what, what, what it was like? Well, I think it'd be interesting if, if there was another tool. What if there was a tool that analyzed the whole of your life and was able to determine where you put the most emphasis and most attention? What would that bubble look like? Now, for some, it might look like this. You got work, you got your spouse and kids, you got bacon. You got sleep and Netflix and worries about the economy. Look where God is. It'd be interesting to, to wonder how much time, attention, direction do we put on the things that are truly important. Back to the lesson. I wonder if you looked at David's life, what would be part of his emphasis and direction? He would have reason to put Saul there or spears or imminent death or saliva running down my beard. Um, all those things be, be consuming him, and yet David, when, when you look at the psalm, when you look at what's going on, if this tool is used on his life, this is what I believe it looked like. Yet God, and more God, and even more God, and it consumed every other concern. It consumed his concern with Saul, or the king, Achish, or Spears, or Saliva, or being king next. God was magnified. So much so that it crowded out everything else that could have been concerning him. And when he directs us to a won't stop, can't stop kind of praise, he says, this is what you need to do. In the psalm, he said, oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. And so if you want praise that will truly not stop, this is what we need to do. We need to make the activity of God bigger than the activity of anything else. But it's hard to do this, isn't it? It's uncommon. Because our world is noisy, isn't it? The world clamors for our attention for every other thing. You, you turn on the news and you wonder the state of the economy and interest rates are rising. You wonder about wildfires, natural disasters, shooting in Chicago. You wonder about political things. Um, or maybe you're concerned with family. And there's always the needs of the family. They're unrelenting. They're all the time. Maybe it's work, and, and, and you have some things at work that will not be solved quickly or easily. There's so many other things that can crowd out the emphasis that God should play in our lives. And so I believe to get to a point of praise, I think the first thing we need to be real with is all the times we haven't followed the first commandment. Does anyone know the first commandment? You shall have no other gods. And how did Martin Luther explain this? 
You should have no other gods. What does this mean? We should fear, love, and trust in God above all things. That when it came to your life, that God should be consuming so much other than anything else going on that, that everything seemed minuscule in comparison. But we struggle doing this, don't we? We let other things get in the way and loom larger than the activity of God. And today's a day of repenting over all the, thi- all the times and all the things that got in the way of God. So can I, friends, remind you of why God should loom the largest? He should loom the largest because there's no one who loves you more. Your spouse, your kids, your mom, they do not have the unconditional love that God has for while we were sinners, Christ died for us. He should loom the largest because he gave you the greatest good. All the abundance you enjoyed, every good thing you were thankful for, they were gifts from the Father's hands. He should loom the largest because he is the way to true happiness. Someday we will see him face to face. We'll be enveloped with his love. And that same picture is ours now as he walks with us each day, making sure that we know his love. He is the strength of our heart and our portion forever. There's no one who gives us more happiness than God who walks with us. May he loom large. You know, if you're not a Christian, if you're just joining us, I would love to tell you you have the right to have these gifts. There's no one who loves you better. There's no one who's given you more. There is no greater path to happiness than when you follow God. So believe in him. Look to him. Cling to him. Let him crowd out every other thing. And you'll have a path for a won't stop, can't stop kind of praise. So in these moments that we consider together, I need to pick out a few of the things David was consuming his mind with. The activity of God, what was going on? And I wanted to know, do you have any evidence of angelic activity? Do you have any angel stories? It's a discussion we have in starting points. If you've ever seen a guardian angel or or something going on that way. And um, I remember a story that came from my grandmother where she was on an icy road and she was going off the road and, and she was supposed to hit this pole. She was headed straight for it and she didn't turn the wheel. But the wheel turned, and she didn't hit the pole. I remember another story of someone who was broken down in the countryside about 40 years ago. There should have been no one around, but a stranger came out of nowhere, fixed the car, sent her on her way, and never saw that stranger again. Heard uh, stories of missionaries in Africa where there was an imminent threat. Enemies wanted to get this missionary, but the people of God were praying, and out of nowhere the missionaries fled because they had seen some other attackers, and what they had seen were not actual people, but angels. Reminds me of an Old Testament story. There's a story of a prophet named Elisha, where king of Aram and his whole army had surrounded Elisha, and they wanted to take him out. But Elisha saw angelic activity, and he informed his servant about it. Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that they may see. And the Lord opened the servant's eyes. He looked, and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. You know, Jesus even talks about angelic activity. As he was going to give his life for us, Peter wanted to defend him. And he said, Peter, you don't need to defend me. I can call down legions of angels that would be greater by far 
to protect me. What we learn, do you know that God is using angels to guard you, even right now? It's something that we remind our kids of. It's something that scripture reminds us of, sorry about that. That God will command his angels concerning us to guard us in all our ways. It's cool to think about such things when we're on the road. It's cool to think about such things when we go to work. God right now is protecting me. But as we turn to that verse, it didn't just say angels. It said, the angel of the Lord. And I don't know what you know about scripture, but the angel of the Lord is usually a reference to Jesus. The pre-incarnate Christ. That when he's talking about this activity, this is really Jesus who encircles us, who is like the force field around us to protect us from all evil. Jesus, the one who gave his life for you, is also the one protecting you. The one with you right now. Think about such things. And you'll have a reason for a won't stop, can't stop praise that God is right now guarding you. You know, someone cool to follow on Instagram is Toby Mac. Has some great phrases, and I found this one uh, recently. Sleep in peace tonight. God is bigger than anything you will face tomorrow. And isn't that true? And it always has been. That angel who encircles you is big. He's got you in the palm of his hand. But there's more we can think of. And wouldn't you agree that as a people, we're often known for our failures and our successes. For example, I consider my tenure with the Chicago Cubs. They were for a long time known as the lovable, correct, until two years ago. And my favorite shirt is this one, the lovable winners. They change their identity, right? I consider Coach Q, Coach Q who had a great stretch with the Blackhawks, right? Known for being so good, has a bad year, and where is he now? We rise and we fall based on performance and perception. Do you know what I'm talking about? Maybe you have a company that treats you that way. It's not just what you have done, but what you have you done for me lately. You rise and fall based on the performance that is going on and the perception of that. I remember for me, I, I struggled with this at an er early age. I, I had my identity wrapped up in my performance, and my performance was in math. I was an obnoxious student who would count every 100% I got in math. I had a whole folder filled with 100%, and I would just count them obnoxiously and show my classmates. That was bad. Anyway, um, and I remember this one time in eighth grade where I had over 100 problems to do, and I would double-check, and I would triple-check because I needed that 100. But that night, I did not have enough time to double-check and triple-check 100 different problems. So I didn't know if I was going to get another 100%, and I don't know what that was going to do with my identity. I was so afraid of failure that I had an epic, ugly cry. I just broke down because I couldn't handle the pressure of not being good enough or not performing enough. And I'd love to tell you that that has all been rooted out of me. That I am a completely different person. That it doesn't matter how well I perform or don't perform because I am just solid as an individual. But that is not true. Can anyone relate to my story? And that's why we need God. That's why what he does is so important that it needs to loom in our minds. I need to give you a verse, friends. The verse is this, that if you look to God, your face is radiant. Your face is never covered with shame. Because when you look to God, you see clearly 
that he doesn't love you based on your performance. In fact, he couldn't love you based on your performance because we're all sinners. There's nothing good in us. The only reason he loves you is because of Jesus' performance, what he did for you, that he defeated the devil, died in our place. He, he fought the battles we couldn't fight and win. And when you look to him, he, here's what he does. He restores your sense of right standing, and he does it constantly. As you come to church, as you look to him, you get refreshed with this idea that he loves me not because of my performance. He loves me because of grace. That's how we can have a won't stop, can't stop kind of praise. When we remember our right standing has nothing to do with our perception or performance. It has everything to do with Jesus. That's yours today. It's a gift from God. But there's more. God compares us to lions. And so I guess we got to look at lions a little bit today. There's one. Lions are known as kings of the jungle. Lions are known for being ferocious fighters. Those who are the predator and everything else is the prey. And yet God says, you know, your lot in life is better than a lion. Look at what verse 10 says. It says, the lions, even though they're the predators, even though they're kings of the jungle, they at times grow weak and hungry. They at times don't get it all right. Not so with you. Those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. You're better than lions in the economy of God. Do you know that God is ensuring you will not want? In fact, I can be a prophet. I can look into your life right now and tell you that as God goes with you and as you depend in him, there will never be a day that you don't have what you need. I can be so bold to say that. And the day that you don't have what you need is the day he calls you home to heaven. So that's a better day by far. Our lives are better than even lions. And maybe over Thanksgiving, you've seen all that God has provided. And you've said, taste and see, man, the Lord is good. What's your taste and see the Lord is good moment? I consider there's a member of this congregation, and I remember her getting her first car. And the family posted it on Facebook and I'll never forget the expression of seeing that first car. That was a taste and see the Lord is good moment. I consider other people we've prayed for in this congregation who needed jobs or provision. And then God brought the job or brought the provision. And there was a taste and see the Lord is good moment. For me, it has to be the birth of the children. Both of those days were taste and see the Lord is good moments. What's yours? Our God is so good ensuring us that we're not going to want, that we can taste and see he truly is good. But i got to close with my favorite thought. And to, to build up my favorite thought, I need to tell you of while, when I was on top of the world. There was a moment in sixth grade where when it came to dodgeball, no one could touch this guy. It, it is a period of my life that has never happened since, and it didn't come before. But for the four weeks that dodgeball is the emphasis in, in Phi Ed, I was like Neo in the Matrix. I am kidding you not. I knew when every ball was coming. I knew how to swerve and swarm. And everyone kind of knew that if I was on the team, we were going to win. It was just going to happen. 
And it was incredible, the insight. Now, the reason I tell you this story is because there's a lot to dodge in life, isn't there? There are things that want to take us out all the time. In fact, you might have come in here with a lot of fears, and you're like, Pastor, these fears are not dodgeballs, they're real. So let me upgrade it. Maybe they're like these, they're like arrows. And Pastor, you don't know. I have concerns over what, what's going to happen in the company, and I have legitimate concerns over this relationship, and legitimate concerns over what, what's happening in the future. And have you ever been so concerned that like it almost like is, is like crippling? Yeah, has anyone ever been there? Or so fearful that it almost like led you to spasm and like be weirded out and things were happening to your body that was just like, ah, something's going to happen. But you know what I love about this psalm? Is that you get to be sixth grade Dustin Bloomer in dodgeball. That's what it says. You got to take on the spirit of Neo and no, no matter what's going on, it's going to slow down and you're going to groove past. That's what scripture says. For David, he, he said, when, when it comes to God and his deliverance, he doesn't just deliver me from some of those arrows and from some of those dodgeballs, but my favorite, favorite word in all of this was all. That none of them got him. In fact, let me tell you about David's life. Goliath didn't kill him. Saul didn't kill him. The Philistines didn't kill him. Achish didn't kill him. Um, none of those guys killed him. Do you know how David died? Old age. After a guy who was, who was the warrior king, where, where many spears and many arrows were, were going to get him, and David says, no, 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 I was delivered from all. You have the same today. I don't know what you came in here fearing. I don't know what cripples you, but I know it's something, and I just want to tell you once again, all. Each one of them. God will either change your circumstance or give you the strength and the heart to get past it. But I want to tell you all. And that we win. We win in the end and we win right now. Because he works everything out for our good. When you consider this, God's activity, I believe it can lead you to a won't stop, can't stop kind of phrase. May you remember that God is bigger and larger and greater than anything in your life right now. And now let me pray for you. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, it's easy to preach on praise and to point out reasons for thanksgiving. It's going to be hard on Monday morning and Tuesday morning to do it. Lord, as we travel to work, as we live each day, let us think about you. Let our minds be consumed by all your wonderful activity on our behalf that you're again always with us, that you work everything for our good, that you deliver us from all our troubles, either by giving us strength or changing the outcome. Lord, continue to be so gracious to us and let us respond with praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Please stand.